chapter 5, verses 1 to 12. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Anyway, let's pray. Heavenly Daddy, we ask that your words will come out today, not mine. That you will speak to the hearts and minds of every single one of us. That you will take each of us deeper into your love and guide us on how to live fully for you, as Jesus did. Help us to become more Christ-like. Amen. Amen. So, mothering Sunday is a little bit of a weird one for me. Um, I lost my mum a couple of years ago, and so mothering Sunday's always been sort of bittersweet for me, cause it's like, and particularly because the anniversary of her death is usually a couple of days after or before mothering Sunday, three days this time. Um, so I'm, and I'm well aware that mothering Sunday can be really hard for some people who've lost mums or have really tough relationships with their mums or. Yeah, with their children. It's just, it can be a really tough time. Um, and it's not always a shiny, happy day. But for me also, it's quite a mix, because this is my first Mothering Sunday as a mother. We had tiny little Emily, who's not that tiny now. She's ever-growing, and is a bit of a lump. Um, but that's quite scary, because that makes me a grown-up, but I'm not a grown-up, and I don't want to be a grown-up, and I can barely look after the dog, never mind a tiny human. Anyway, so it's, it's, it's just a bit of a mix of a day. And I was now going to share a fun fact about Mothering Sunday. Pad stole my fun fact. Completely tea-leafed it. It's there, written on the page about going to the mother church. So, drat. Anyway, so moving on from my highly amusing fun fact. This is a series, as Pad's also said earlier, um, that the Bishop of Oxford asked us to do, sort of looking at the Beatitudes and looking at three themes that's happening on Wednesdays and on Sundays. And last week, Steve um, spoke to us about being contemplative. And I was really challenged about that, that idea of just spending quality time with him and sort of, yeah, it's really inspired me. And I had a great Monday afternoon praying and things. And yes, so thank you, Steve. Um, and this week's all about compassion. And I, mums, we're brilliant at compassion. We nail compassion. The rest of you probably need a little bit of work, but we are awesome at compassion. So, oh well. But what the Bible says about it is quite cool. And now, Steve last week went with dictionary definitions, so I've totally stolen that. Um, the dictionary definition of compassion 
means sympathetic pity and concern for the sufferings or misfortunes of others. Now, if you take compassion out of the Bible, sort of like a vacuum cleaner goes, the messages of the Bible are really tough. Jesus says to give up everything and follow him. Um, don't go and bury your father, follow him straight away. Um, sell everything you have and follow him. They're really tough, hardcore messages. But throughout the Gospels and throughout history, people have been willing to do that. They've been willing to follow this message, to give up everything, to follow him, to, to live the challenged life that he calls us to live. And why? Because Jesus is totally worth following because he is so loving, he is so kind, he is so merciful, and he is so compassionate. And throughout the Gospels, and in fact throughout the entire Bible, there are so many examples of him being compassionate. I've just chosen three of my favourites. Um, a blind man who's homeless sits on the edge of the road, and a big crowd goes past following Jesus, and he goes, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus doesn't ignore him, he doesn't get lost in the crowd. He turns around, goes back to this little blind man, sit on, I don't know if he was small, this blind man sat on the side of the road, comes down next to him, talks to him, heals him, comes alongside this guy with compassion. He reaches out and touches lepers. Lepers were the scum of society. People didn't go near them. They were ostracized. They had to go and live somewhere totally separate. Jesus didn't just come alongside him, he touches him. He heals him. He embraces a guy who probably hadn't been touched for decades because of his disease. And my favorite example is um, when Jesus' friend Lazarus dies. Um, Lazarus' sisters, Martha and Mary, they're devastated. They rant at Jesus because Jesus hadn't come and healed him earlier. They're just so upset. There's everyone there and they're devastated. And then the shortest verse in the entire Bible Jesus wept. He, he came alongside them in their grief, in their devastation, in their hurt, in their anguish, and he wept with them. Weeping's not just a few tears. He properly sobbed with them. He was going to raise Lazarus to life in a matter of minutes, and still he cried with them. He didn't go, it's going to be all right. He cried with them. He had such compassion that he came alongside, and he does that for us. He is so compassionate that when we're hurt, when we're crying, he's right there with us. He cries with us. He holds us. He feels our pain. He doesn't just go, it's going to be okay, keep going. He's there with us in that emotion. And I love that. That's why people believe in Jesus. That's why people follow Jesus, both then, throughout history and now. Jesus is that ultimate model of compassion. And that's what he calls us to as individuals and a church. He loves people. He cares for them. And in their misfortunes and in their challenges, he does for them what he did for Martha and Mary. He comes alongside us. He's there with us. His compassion didn't stop when he went up to heaven. He weeps when we weep. He holds us when we can't cope. Plus, he left his church to be his hands and feet to continue that now. Now, two Beatitudes um, I'm going to be focusing on. It's like echoing, I'll move my hair. Um, the first one is, blessed are those who mourn, for they should be comforted. Now, the Greek to mourn kind of basically can be translated as a passionate lament, which is kind of a dramatic outpouring for one who has died and was loved. 
And the beatitude can be taken literally. Blessed are those who have endured the bittersweet sorrow that life can bring. Now, the Arabs have a um, proverb that says that um, all sunshine makes a desert. The land on which the sun always shines will soon become a dry place where no fruit will grow. There can only... Only certain things which rain will produce and certain experiences can only come out of sorrow. Sorrow can do two things for us. But a life that's always happy and jolly actually will become dry and desert. We need the sorrow for things to grow. Two things can come. Um, It can show us, as nothing else can, the essential kindness of others. And it can show us the comfort and compassion of God. And I found so them both so incredibly true when mum died a couple of years ago. Um, the love and support from people, who, some of who I hadn't even expected. I just remember my head teacher, who was quite austere, just enveloping me in this ginormous hug. It's the only time she's ever hugged me in my life. Um, it's quite surreal. But just the love and the compassion that came from people blew me away. And they, the people who blessed me most weren't those who tried to explain it well, God wanted your mum to be with her in heaven. They were the people who just cried with me and were absorbent. And the people who just came alongside me, who asked me to tell them stories about mum and let me talk about her. And just, they came alongside and they were with me. And they just had such compassion. And it just reminded me of Jesus weeping with his friends, standing with them in their pain even when such joy was about to come. And that's what we're called to do as individuals and as the church, to cry with the broken. And it's not just those who have experienced loss, it's those who have experienced broken dreams and hopes and failures and hurts. It's, yeah, it's wider than just death. We're just asked to hold them and to love them. But sorrow can also drive us deeper into God. And I felt that so strongly, especially in those first few days. As a family, we felt physically, and I can't explain it, but physically held up by people's prayers. Even my dad, who's the most, he's not an articulate chap, but he just said he felt physically held up, and that was people praying. But we felt God's love more strongly than we've ever felt it in our lives. I felt physically wrapped in his love and his arms. I felt his compassion. I felt held by him. And it took my faith deeper than anything else ever could. And new strength and beauty entered into me from that place of mourning. But the Beatitude also, and William Barclay in his commentary says this, is about blessed are those who care deeply for the sufferings and sorrows and needs of others. It's not just about those who are doing the mourning, but actually the people who come around them, who passionately care, proactively support and uphold them which is what God wants us to do as individuals and as a church. If you want to know who to come alongside, ask God and he'll place people on your heart. He'll put people around you, maybe in supermarkets like Andrea, or friends or family or colleagues or neighbours, but people you can come alongside and love as Jesus loves. Because he wants us to be his hands and his feet. Now, the second beatitude... Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. And mercy means compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone whom is it is in within one's power to punish or harm. 
Now, the Hebrew word for mercy, and my pronunciation here will be shockingly bad, is cheese. It sounds a little like cheese, or it looks a little like cheese. It's not cheese. Um, there's no camembert involved here. But it is, it's basically, it's an untranslatable world. And it doesn't just mean to sympathize or to be forgiving to a person or with a person in the normal sense i.e. being caring when someone's having a tough time or being forgiving when someone's done you wrong. But it means that ability to get right inside other people until we see things with their eyes, think things with their minds, feel things with their feelings. And that's a really tough call. But it's what Jesus did. It's more than just having pity on someone and feeling sorry for someone. It's a deliberate effort in the mind of the will. It's deliberately identifying with someone until we see things as they do and feel as they do. How often have we done that? I think I've maybe done that a couple of times in my life. I remember I was having a real tough time with my dad and I was praying and just started to see things from his point of view, from his childhood. He didn't get much love and was dyslexic so struggled at school and suddenly I started to see things and understand things from his point of view. It totally shifted how I saw him and how I related to him. And it's we've had significant ups and downs um, but it's like that idea of sort of really getting inside somebody else, not literally skinning them and getting inside, that would be weird. Um, but so often we say, oh it's about me, they don't care how I feel, uh, what about me? And society wants us to think it's all about us. But that's not what God's calling us to do. We often feel sorry for someone and then we go on our way and think about what we're going to have for lunch. I spend a lot of time thinking about what I'm going to have for lunch. I like lunch. Um, And our kindness would be more genuine and be more effective if we actually try to think as they feel. And it would save people from a lot of unintentional kindnesses, like trying to help someone out when actually they wanted to do that themselves. Um, I think, I remember Colin saying he tried to help out a colleague and he stepped in and defended them on their behalf. Actually, they didn't want to. They wanted to sort it out. We're often unintentionally unkind. And if we're thinking as someone thinks, it's going to save us from that. It would also make forgiveness and tolerance much easier. The reasons people think and act the way they do, if we knew the reason, or were even open to that reason, it would be so much easier to understand, to sympathise and to love. At school, there's a student who's tough. Behaviour's tough, they're rude, they don't do... Some of you will probably... You can think of those students. It's just they're really, really tough, and you just go, oh, no, they're in my class. And in you go, and you're firm with them and things. But actually, take a step back. Their home lives are hard. Really, really tough. They might be a carer. They might have abusive family. You don't know. But I find when suddenly I think about what their life is like at home, school suddenly is their safe place. School is suddenly the place where they can try and stretch the boundaries because they can't do it at home. And suddenly your entire attitude towards them shifts. And it's so much easier to love them and care for them and support them than it was before when you just wanted to put them in detention and, yeah. Um, How we can be truly merciful and compassionate is really tough unless we put put ourselves inside another person and try to understand as they do and feel as they do. 
And from there, we can live Jesus' compassion. Because Jesus himself, in the most literal sense, got inside human beings. He got inside our skin. He came to earth as a man, seeing things with human eyes, feeling things with human feelings, thinking things with human minds. God knows what it's like because God came right inside life. And Jesus has called us to love our neighbours as ourselves. So we need to understand them in the way that we understand ourselves. Um, William Barclay rewrote this beatitude and said, Oh, the bliss of those who get right inside other people until they can see with their eyes, think with their thoughts, feel with their feelings. For those who do that will find others do the same for them. And they will know that that is what God in Christ Jesus has done. Jesus has been adored and followed for thousands of years. And one of the major reasons because, is because of his compassion for others. And we are called to be like Jesus. To have compassion for others. Not just some others, not just the people we like or our friends or our family. But all people from the downtrodden and the poor to the leaders of our land and the leader of America and everyone in between. Let us as individuals, let us as a church be known for coming alongside those people who are mourning and broken and crying with them, meeting them in their grief and for showing mercy and compassion by getting inside and loving people from the inside out. Let's pray. Heavenly Daddy, help us to live your compassion. Place on our hearts the people you want us to come alongside. Place, give us eyes to see people as you do. Help us to get inside people as you have and to love people the way you do. Help us as a church to be your hands and feet to compassionately love the people around us, the people in our world. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Change us from the inside out. Amen.